again, and thank you for downloading our latest podcast from Standard Issue magazine. In this episode, we join Standard Issue founder Sarah Millican on stage and in conversation at Stand 3 during 2016's Edinburgh Fringe Festival. With special guests, actor and comedian Katie Brand, stand-up comic Kiri Pritchard-McLean, and Standard Issue editor Mickey Noonan. As always, all of our podcasts are available on iTunes and directly from standardissuemagazine.com slash podcasts. Thank you again and enjoy the show. to uh, Standard Issue in Conversation. Um, I, I, I introduce myself? Um, I am Sarah Millican. Who Hello. the fuck are you? <laughs> <laughs> That's what people ask a lot. Uh, I am Sarah Millican. I am a comedian and a writer and the parent of some fairy children. And <laughs> they're pets, sorry. Uh, I should have clarified. Uh, fairy, children. fairy children. I thought you said fairy children. Oh my thought God, that would be amazing. Having some sort of nervous breakdown. <laughs> They live at the bottom of the garden. Um, and I thank you so much. Uh, I set up uh, the magazine uh, Standard Issue. So that is uh, me. This is... Katie. Oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, I'm Katie Brand, and I am a supporter of Standard Issue and uh, hope to be an occasional writer uh, in the autumn. Yes, please. Thanks. Yeah, that's it. That's how I get jobs. I just fight my way on stage and announce that I'm doing it. She's not even supposed to be here. It's really awkward. <laughs> Um, I'm Kim Bridge McLean, uh, I'm a stand-up comedian and I write for Standard Issue. Hello. Thanks, guys. Thank you. I'm Mickey Noonan, I'm the editor of Standard Issue, and I don't know how to use microphones properly, which is why I have to have a stand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you do, you just sniff. <laughs> and we can't hear you, and we want to be able to hear you because you're awesome. How should we start? Should we start? Should I tell people a bit about the magazine? Um, give us a cheer if you've heard of Standard Issue. That's a good one. That is a good one, yeah. I guess you if you haven't. Okay, we've got to convert you fuckers. Uh, so Standard Issue is, and for those who don't know, and for those who do know, just, you know, make yourselves comfortable for a minute. Um, uh, Standard Issue is an online magazine for women by women. Uh, everybody who works on it and writes for it and illustrates it, it is uh, of the female persuasion. Uh, I set up Standard Issue two years ago. I'm going to keep looking yeah. to Mickey for a correlation. Yeah, two Facts. Two years ago, two facts. Years, yeah. Thanks. Uh, two years ago, for a, a couple of reasons. Firstly, I didn't feel like there was anything for me when I looked at the magazine racks at the train station. I do a lot of travelling in my job, and uh, I would have a look on the racks. And uh, if I wasn't into like cross stitch uh, or <laughs> slagging off women, uh, wasn't an awful lot left for me. Uh, and I'm not into either of those things. Um, but you know, I might do cross stitch at some point. Um, so I, I felt like there was nothing for me, and there wasn't any. I don't always want to read a newspaper. I don't always want to read a book. I wanted something that had things that were of interest to me uh, but weren't necessarily uh, negative, which is what I felt like a lot of um, magazines for women are. Um, so that was uh, one reason. Also, I wanted a safe place for women to be able to read things. Um, so one of the things that we have always had from the start is uh, no comments. We don't have any comments at all on the articles. So if you read an article uh, underneath, you can recommend it. 
which means it then goes into another panel where you'll say like the top reads of the week, uh, but you can't go on and say, fucking hell, women are all assholes. <laughs> which is what people generally do when anybody has written anything on the internet about women, by women, or for women. Um, so that's... trolls to make an effort, you actually have to like log in, set up an email address, and yeah. just get bored. Yeah, and then you have to email us, and then we can just ignore it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's the best way to be. Um, so that was kind of why I set up uh, the magazine. We've been going for two years now, and we do occasional events like this, which for me is selfishly just a chance to be able to be on a stage with other women, which is something that I like to do. Um, and uh, have, I, have I covered things? Is that? That was pretty comprehensive. Thanks. Have Thanks. you got anything to add, Vicky uh, Noonan? No. No? no, I bullied her into being the editor. <laughs> I should say that. That's not very well, feminist, is it? <laughs> I remember it differently. I remember biting your arm off. Well, I did. Yeah, you I did gave you tap marks, and that's yeah, never enough, you... is it? Uh, so she had to have my arm as well. Um, <laughs> I forced her into uh, mocktails and tapas. Mocktails and I lulled tapas, her into, yeah. we'll just have a lunch. We'll just have a, then please help me. I don't know what to do. <laughs> I'd like to set up a magazine, but I've got no fucking clue how to do it. Uh, and then lo and behold, uh, we have it and it exists. And uh, we're very pleased with the results. Um, do you want to ask a question, Mickey Noonan? Shall I ask a question, Sarah Miller? I don't know why we're doing full names, but we're doing full names. Yes. It's ask like a, a Jane Austen novel. <laughs> Quite appropriate. Katie Brand. Thank yes. you very much, Katie Brand. Not at all, Sarah Millican. <laughs> It's my pleasure. <laughs> Sarah Milken. Oh, okay. Um, I would like you to tell me two things that you like about yourself. Um, one, I want you to be as cocky as fuck. And two, one personality, one physical. Personality I can do. Um, so I like that. Uh, <laughs> very fond of my personality. I genuinely think that I'm awesome. Uh, I really do. And when people say, oh, you're awesome, it's really hard to go, I know. Uh, no, it's hard not to do that. No, I have to go, really? Thanks so much. Oh, my God, this thing, it's five pounds. Um, so I think personality-wise, I, uh, I like that I'm a hard worker, I think. Um, uh, I am a grafter. It's something that my dad instilled in us when we were kids. Like it was the worst thing you could possibly be was lazy. And we would bump into somebody that he used to work at the pit with. Uh, in the street just when we were shopping and my dad would be really nice and civil to them and then they walked away and he would go, oh, lazy, absolutely lazy, lazy twat. <laughs> uh, so I always knew that lazy was a bad thing. So I think I'm just, I always wanted to just please my dad. So I became a hard worker. So I think hard worker. Physical is harder. Um, oh God, I'm working on it. It's a work in progress, but mostly, oh no. Um, uh, I like having longer hair um, because um, I can put it up when I get sweaty. <laughs> it's down now, so I'm really sweaty, everyone. I smelt my bra, though, and it's still okay for another day. Um, I think bras in Edinburgh last less time, yeah. don't that, they, that during the fringe. Smell. Yeah, the meaty meat smell. smell. Yeah, yeah, the kind of, the way you nudge your boob and it's like somebody started a barbecue like that. <laughs> So, I like my hair at the moment. Um, it looks very lustrous. Oh, do you think so? Yeah, it's like you wash it in egg or something. <laughs> Those kind of tips that other magazines not standard issue do to make you feel shit. Those bullshit tips you get given that you go around with scrambled egg in your hair. Scrambled. Then I could have a little nibble if I was hungry. <laughs> I quite like that if it tasted And then rabbits. your meaty tits and eggy hair. It's delicious. Oh, I've got a full English breakfast. <laughs> 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 I like that, I 
like the idea that I'm a full English breakfast. <laughs> I, yeah, that's my thing that I like about me physically, is that I smell a bit like a full English breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome, everyone. Uh, <laughs> Katie Brand. Um, uh, which one is the first one? Whichever you like. Um, I think um, about me, my personality, I'm, I'm quite persistent. I'm quite persistent and bloody-minded, uh, which I quite like. I can be quite persistent in the face of overwhelming evidence to the contrary. Uh, for example, I once wrote to Jim or Fix It to ask to meet Michael Jackson. Are you just doubling your chances? Yeah. I feel like I dodged a bullet though, it never happened. I, I don't know, but part of me feels like I'd do it again. Do you think your producer saw, that, saw your letter and just went, no, we can't, no, do, we that. can't, we can't do that, that's illegal. In yeah, we mustn't, yeah, we, we need to put that on the later pile. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I'm, uh, I'm quite persistent, uh, I'm bloody-minded uh, personality. Physically, uh, I don't know, I, um, I quite like my, just the, my face. <laughs> you do all that, that nice I mean, like, what I mean is, it's not like the individual component parts I think are particularly amazing, or that I'm especially sort of extraordinary looking. I just think, I, on my face, I just, I just think it's quite a sort of, just generally quite a sort of medium level nice face. No, but I think the combination no, no, think... of things is just kind of quite nice together. Yeah. Do you agree? <laughs> Thanks. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this every night for the whole night. You're allowed to be cockier than that. Oh, I mean, it feels like you were pulling back Yeah, you back want the there. medium level nice yeah. face. Yeah, so that's I think not cocky, is what's it? clear is that I'm pulling back from saying I believe myself to be extraordinarily beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> like a creature like no other. <laughs> yeah, I've described myself as a creature like no other, but I didn't mean it in a good way. Um, that's, I think that's lovely. Thanks, Sarah Millican. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Katie Brown. I got cracking tits. <laughs> Applause from over there on the tips. If only two. <laughs> one each. Yeah, one each. <laughs> uh, or two for the bigger one. Um, left. Left. Uh, no, right. Oh, it's traditionally left. Is it? Apparently. Oh, God, that probably means something traditionally, awful. Traditionally? Like, some sort of... Yeah, it's handed down. down. There's a Morris dance about it, isn't there? Yeah. I, I don't know if you... Maybe my right one's more muscular because I'm right-handed. Have you got any doctors in? Does that sound even remotely fucking feasible? This event is already very different to what I was told. <laughs> I'm, I'm severely regretting it. Is anyone else? <laughs> I retract my offer to write for standard issue. <laughs> it's been recorded. It's done now. <laughs> Um, and then I, I, this is a this is a bad one, but uh, I like my confidence to the point of arrogance, because <laughs> um, I think being a stand-up and things, you have to be relentlessly confident. Um, I talk about this in my show, but I, you know, when you go for a job interview and they go, "What are, you, what are your weaknesses?" and you have to do the fake humble thing. Um, well, I couldn't think of anything. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Is that your weakness? Uh, yeah. uh, no, I panicked and said ankles. <laughs> not what, not what they're after. <laughs> and they're fucking brilliant as well. So, yeah. Okay. 
Whatever. Be, what, no, 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 no. It goes all the way along. She doesn't like answering questions. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, tell me, what do you like about your personality and your physical appearance, please? Um, Personality-wise, I like that as I've got older, I'm getting much better at saying no when I don't want to do something. I think I used to be a people pleaser, and I'd be like, yeah, yeah, I don't want to go, but I'm going to have to go. And now I just go, no. <laughs> it's really, no is really powerful, but also I, I used to always, I, used, I was okay at saying no, but I used to always give excuses. So I say no and then give reasons. And I realise now you don't have to give reasons. You can just say, I say, this is what I say, I say no can do. <laughs> oh, sorry, no can do. And people go, oh, okay. <laughs> and then I go, I got out of it. Whatever it fucking was, I got out of it. You can take it a little bit far, though, because I asked someone to do a favour for me recently, and uh, she's a very confident older woman, very glamorous and uh, and very quite quite deservedly self-possessed. But I asked her to do me a favour, and she sent me a message saying, no, I'm not going to do this because I don't want to. <laughs> OK? <laughs> I, I really like that. That's brilliant. Deborah, Deborah Francis White said to me, she said, if someone asks you, do you want to go to a wedding in six months' time, if at that point in time you don't want to go, you're not going to want to go in six months' time. So you just go, no, have a lovely day. I've got, I've got a rule about weddings. I only go to a wedding if I think it's going to last. <laughs> is that really bad? Oh. It is, because I, I am terrified now to send you the invite to my wedding. <laughs> Fuck, she says. Because if you don't reply, we're like, it's off, babe. Sorry. <laughs> I'm not some kind of predictor of the future. <laughs> just, how, how do you tell? How do you know if it's going to last? What, uh, you you know, or? do you, you yeah. know? You know. <laughs> Where the fuck have you been with my relationships? Like, you guys going, no. Um, and physically, I've got a really nice smile. Oh, yeah. It's lovely. That's nice. Good. Um, Kerry, what did you want to be when you were a kid? Um, I mean, you'll, you'll see where the arrogance started here. Um, I remember having a very clear idea when I was, uh, I think, about four or five years old that me and a boy in my class, Samira Sabai, uh, we would go around the world in a helicopter saving all the animals. Um, so in a helicopter? In a How helicopter. many would you get in the helicopter? <laughs> You'd have them dangling out in a chain, oh, okay. I reckon, yeah. or in a big net underneath it. I'm, not, I was, I'm an ideas man, Sarah, please. <laughs> Um, it, Samira was logistics uh, so that was it I was convinced that, that that was a legit career plan for me That's what this is actually do. a fundraising event to make the money yeah. to get Kiri a helicopter <laughs> hashtag Kiri's helicopter on my really big net <laughs> Katie, what about you? Uh, I can't really remember sort of very, very specific things. I always wanted to do something that involved showing off. Um, although, funnily enough, that's got less so as I've got older. I went through a phase of wanting to be a prison chaplain. Uh, I don't know why. It's just like the odd thing for a sort of 11-year-old to want to be. Uh, but yeah, I quite like the idea of going into prisons and, um, and talking about Jesus to convicts. <laughs> I don't know. I know. I know. I've basically killed the room. <laughs> but that is that is what I wanted to be. Only for briefly, very briefly. Right. Okay. Uh, I like the idea of being a detective. And I remember when I was about sort of seven, uh, I used to get up and uh, and look out the window uh, on our street, and I'd write down all the um, number plates <laughs> in a notebook on the street because I thought, you know, if I then see on the news 
that a car has been stolen or there's been some crime, then I will have just recorded all the number plates just in case I'm asking. Does this sound controlling at all? I don't know. To me, uh, it's more noteworthy and newsworthy that an 11-year-old is writing down all the number plates on her street. You see, I used to do... not. It's a little bit similar. I used to, if I saw somebody dodgy... Like somebody just not doing what I thought they or just standing for too long somewhere. Not like at a bus stop, I'm not an idiot. <laughs> but like, I understand how buses work. <laughs> but somebody just standing for a bit too long, something I didn't quite understand. I used to make a note and just and write their description down of what they were wearing and stuff. <laughs> I think it was just a grass in the neighborhood. <laughs> I prefer the term civic minded. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sarah, what about you? What did you want to be when um, you were little? When I was little, I, well, I just wanted to be liked when I was little. Uh, so that's that's true. Uh, and I did all sorts of things to do that. I I I suppose I. I did my homework on time. I didn't realise that doesn't get you liked. Um, well, it does, just by teachers. Um, but it's all right. They'll still come to your birthday if you ask them. Um, <laughs> I totally did. My maths teacher came once. One of my friends uh, bit her husband and she wasn't allowed to come back again. Um, that's a different story for a different time. Um, but career-wise, I really wanted to be... I wanted to be a stripper for a short while. <laughs> because I thought it was just like nice ladies dancing. I was quite innocent. And I remember when I was about 16 or 17, my dad had said like, oh, we were so glad when you grew boobs. Uh, which is a weird thing for your dad to say. <laughs> and I asked why, and he said, well, you always wanted to be a stripper. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's, thanks. Um, so, and then I obviously found out what that was and wasn't that good at dancing, to be fair. Um, but I also wanted to be a vet for quite a long time because mm. I thought it was just cuddling rabbits. Um, <laughs> I did a, a work experience at a veterinary hospital. It's not just cuddling rabbits. Uh, it's sort of cutting things open. And oh. I walked in at one point. I was doing five days there, and I walked in at one point, and they had a bucket on the floor to collect, to collect like the fluid, and they were doing an operation on a dog. And I walked in and just turned round and walked back out again because I thought, I can't go in there, I'm just going to be sick. And then I popped my head in and I said, anybody want a cup of tea? Because uh, I could have run a calf by the end of that. I was so good at tea and fucking dishes. Um, but yeah, I didn't... And then, yeah, I think it was mostly just stripping in vets. <laughs> Is there something I could do that would cover both of those things? Stripping for animals. There's got to be a Channel 4 reality show. Yeah. <laughs> Well, we'll see. I'll pitch it. We'll let, I'll let you know. Didn't, didn't you want to be a film reviewer for a while as well? Oh, yeah. Oh, God. I wanted to be... Well, I was a film reviewer for a while. Um, I, for the free paper, you know, the one that people put down for the cats to piss on? Uh, that one. Uh, I was a reviewer for four and a half years for the free paper. I had my own column. What era in terms uh, of film? Oh, uh, sort of oh, late 90s, I guess. Uh, oh, yeah, mid to late 90s. Wait, oh, Titanic? Is yeah, that one of yours. Uh, yeah, and I worked in a cinema at the time, so I was sick to death of that song. Uh, but I, I just did it for expenses, and I had a lovely time. But then, <laughs> you know, you go through all paperwork, and you think, "What's this?" And it was a letter from the producer of Film ninety two or ninety five or whatever it was at the time, and it was a letter from the producer saying, "We're not ready to uh, to sack or fire Barry Norman just yet." <laughs> so I can only imagine that the letter I sent to him was. Can I have a go? <laughs> <laughs> I also, incidentally, <laughs> this is really awful. I have a, a 
from a member of Philip Schofield's family. I don't know which member, but it's got the, he's, they've got the same surname, uh, which basically says, no, I don't know why he hasn't got a calendar either. <laughs> which leads to me to believe that I've, yeah, I've sent a letter to a member of Philip Schofield's family asking why he hasn't got a calendar. <laughs> Anyway, I think, I think we've all heard enough from me. Um, forever. Did you have, like, extensive blackouts in which you just wrote, furiously wrote letters to public figures? I think I might have done it. It's what it means, Michael Jackson, though. Yeah. <laughs> I, did I wrote him a, long letters. I did write to Jim will fix it, and I, asked to be a, I wanted to be a veterinary nurse for a day. I think I just took it like a work experience, right? <laughs> Other people wanted to be princesses for a day, and I was thinking, like, well, what could my career be based on? But I didn't, I didn't get it. When you were little, did you have decent feminist role models was the women in your life that you could look up to and encourage you to be whatever you wanted to be let's start with you Katie uh, well I always think it's quite interesting as a girl to have grown up in the 80s uh, because uh, like them or loathe them, uh, it was quite an interesting time because Margaret Thatcher was the Prime Minister, um, we had the Queen of England, and Madonna was the top of the charts. So I felt like uh, women had it covered, really, I think, when I was very young. It was only when I got into the 90s, in my teens, where all of that kind of went to the wayside and things felt like they sort of all those people had got a bit less visible. So I feel like, in a way, that there were these kind of quite public role models, even though, even though you know, if not supporting Margaret Thatcher or whatever you think of the royal family or even Madonna, to be honest. Uh, I think they were still there. They were at the top of their particular things. And and do, it's sort do you of, think yeah. if the Queen was here in the audience today or if she listened to the podcast, she'd be so smug about those three that you've just listed? Because one's, <laughs> one's not top of the chart so much, yeah. one's dead, and she's still fucking there. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's made of lead. <laughs> <laughs> Even her own mother. I know, she'll last forever. Yeah, I think I think the Queen actually has quite a lot to feel smug about. I think she's all right. Mm-hmm. Well, I like the Queen, personally. I think quite a lot of people like the Queen. But I think she's quite a good role model, generally, to have. I don't, I do, I don't know where I'm going with this. Oh, if, you would, if you'd asked me earlier, what am I going to talk about tonight? I wouldn't have said this. I'm just going <laughs> to monologue about the Queen for a bit, I reckon. <laughs> what am I talking about? Just going to riff on the Queen. <laughs> a bit overtired. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, but I just think those three people to be in the press, in on the news every day, is quite instructive for young girls. Yeah, I agree. Kerry, um, so my my mum that feel, that feels a bit lame to say that, but my mum was very uh, just always worked a million jobs and has always worked lo- for longer and harder than my dad. <laughs> um, so that was to me it was it was always that like well like you work hard and there's no such thing as women's work because we were I was grew up on a farm so she was great also my nine which is my father's mother I remember her being in like her 90s and it was like a, it was during a heat wave and they went down on our lane on the farm and they were pulling up like ragwort which is really horrible horrible relentless job and uh, my other grandma went oh this isn't women's work and went back to the house but she was just there and she was in her 90s and she did it all day so like physical work as well that didn't feel out of bounds to me and then it's weird for me popular culture because I mean I was raised on the Spice Girls and that's I mean that's feminism in a push up bra with a fake ID isn't it but, uh, I, I suppose there was a little thing though about, about seeing some girls who were just like I, I guess you, I didn't realise that they were trying to rebrand feminism with the whole girl power I just saw like 
five girls having a fucking laugh doing whatever they wanted yeah. and I was like well yeah that sounds great and I really like leopard print so <laughs> let's do that <laughs> um, yeah so I think uh, I, guess, I guess yeah being 11 and seeing the Spice Girls was a really exciting thing at the time and I know there's, everyone's a bit divided on, on what they were now but I guess having that at home, feeling like you could do anything, and then seeing exciting, dynamic women in the public eye was, yeah, it was a, I guess they were. You could sort of tell the Spice Girls was a bit different because I remember all the boys at my school, I was 18 when the Spice Girls sort of were at their major peak, and it's like all the boys fancied Atomic Kitten and were frightened of the Spice Girls. <laughs> uh, and that was quite sort of instructive, I think, somehow. You sort of, even if you didn't quite understand what was going on, it was quite an interesting sort of difference. Mm. I think mine's probably. It, you said it was quite lame to see your mum. I don't think it is at all. I think it's wonderful. Um, I think mine is my mum. My mum has never taken any bullshit. And I think that's quite important when you grow up to know that you can basically do anything. My mum uh, refused. So they, they. When did they get married? They've been married 50 years. So that's a long time ago, obviously. And when they got married, they got a joint bank account. And my mum refused to be uh, Mr. and Mrs. <laughs> initials you know my dad's initials and so she, and apparently that was the first time that bank had had anybody complain which is pretty awesome <laughs> and she got her so it was Mr initials Mrs initials and then the surname and she just said well that's not my name my name is not a man's name so and I quite like that about her that she in in just a small way she just still wanted to be identified even on a checkbook she still yeah. wanted to be visible um so she was always quite um Ballsy. And the same as the girls are saying, I think just anybody who's sort of around, especially musically when you're that kind of age, more important than maybe actors and things like that, I guess. Um, and, and also just I was kind of brought up in a household that always sort of said there was no such thing as can't. That was our rule. There was no such thing as can't. My dad always said, the only thing you can't do is uh, stick your bed, uh, stick your bed, stick your bum out of your bedroom window and run downstairs and throw stones at it. <laughs> <laughs> And that was the only thing you can't do. Everything else. <laughs> Which it was quite a funny way, but it was quite a good message as well. So How many days else... did you lose to that? Trying that? <laughs> well, you just you have to just grow your ass to a certain size <laughs> and have a small garden and preferably a flat. Uh, yeah, so everything else was always... Uh, and I guess that was just the way we were brought up. So I guess that's kind of feminist, even though it's, it's coming from my dad. Just the idea that you can just do anything. I just remembered about another one, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was so... I was like, can't wait to get that call telling me I'm going to save the world. <laughs> With your helicopter. And With my helicopter mess. and my arrogance. <laughs> <laughs> my mum's a weird one. Um, she's probably my biggest feminist role model as well. And she's amazing and she brought me up on her own and she worked loads of jobs as well and did anything to keep the house afloat. And so she's this perfect feminist role model until she starts talking. <laughs> And then it all goes wrong. So we were on the phone the other day and she'd not been in touch with my brother for ages. I said, you should really drop Aaron a text. And she went, oh, I just get bored that he doesn't get back to me. And I'm like, if I didn't respond, you wouldn't just stop texting me. And she went, but you're a girl. Boys can look after themselves. Boo! <laughs> and also they can't. For <laughs> <laughs> <Some> years. <laughs> But I told my friend this story and I was kind of having a bit of a whinge about it. And she went, oh, I've got you beaten. And I was like, oh, I didn't know this was a competition. <laughs> and she said, oh, yeah, my mum once said to me, it's always worse for a mother when a son dies. <laughs> oh, my God. She was welcome to that prize. I didn't want it. Crikey. <laughs> it's horrific. My, uh, my friend has a little boy uh, and, and he's six now. And she's sort of thinking about having another child. And her mum was like, 
she said, you don't need to, because she said, you know what, the first one anyway is, is always the special one. And she sent that to my friend who is the third child. <laughs> Thanks, Mum. <laughs> Um, Sarah Millican. Hello. If you could go back in time and talk to your younger self, what advice would you give her? How young? Like like a fortnight ago or like two? How young? Uh, like 12, 13? 12 or 13. Oh, she wasn't a happy being. <laughs> but, you know, a maths teacher still came to my birthday party. We had a smashing time. Uh, <laughs> um, I think... I would tell my 12-year-old self uh, that the rules at school don't apply in the real world, maybe. Mm -hmm. So, like, uh, if you're 12 and... I was uh, unpopular um, uh, in a... Because I was kind of bookish and nerdy and uh, didn't have boobs yet and, I mean, didn't get them to left school. I mean, they weren't, like, a prize or anything. They just... <laughs> <laughs> you did call on your GCSEs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, I didn't have uh, many friends. I was quite quiet and quite, like I say, quite sort of nerdy. And probably a bit weird, probably. I think most people who seek to perform for a living are a little bit odd. It's not a normal thing to want to do. Um, but then I think if, if, if future me was able to, wouldn't have been an email, send a letter to... <laughs> tiny me um, and just to let me know that actually all the things that make you different and weird at school are the things that make you different and so kind of awesome in in the real world and I think that it would be it would be nice if somebody had come up to my face and just said hey kid different is good and don't worry because you'll be you know an interesting and original adult as opposed to a tiny scared nerdy weird kid and I think that would have been nice to have been told that I guess um, and yeah so I guess I know that uh, now because I know that all of the girls and boys that kind of blended in and were all popular and everybody knew them and liked them are all like shit now and just <laughs> <laughs> and, and really they're all boring and, and when they get in touch they, <laughs> I ignore them uh, just mostly really fun although I'll have a little look on Facebook obviously and then you know sort of oh never mind um <laughs> So oh, yeah, they all they all had a rah rah skirt at the same time, and I wasn't allowed one. I don't know why. And then I got a rah rah skirt. Do you remember rah rah skirts? Yeah. yeah okay. And then I got a rah rah skirt much later on, and uh, so I was out of fashion, but then stood out. And at school, that was like you know bullying time. Get followed home by somebody telling me that they think you look like shit. Uh, but as an adult, it's much better to just kind of have style and not be the same as everybody else and blend in and be a sheep. I guess maybe. Does that make sense? Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Okay. Oh, well, thanks. So once, a friend of mine had a theory that people peak at different times in life, and, um, and he always said he felt quite sorry for people. I mean, obviously, it played into both of our combined narratives of not, certainly not having peaked at school. But uh, he did want to say it was quite interesting about people who peak at school, who peak when they're 15 or 16, uh, and how he actually, even though it was horrible at the time, if you're not peaking at that time... Uh, people who have really got their shit together when they're 15 or 16, it's difficult for them to sustain that. 
in, into life and actually things can be a bit difficult after that I think Victoria Wood said something quite similar actually that uh, when she was asked something similar about what advice would she give herself when she was at school and just sort of saying you know don't worry about the people who seem to have got their shit down in terms of being at school and being 15 you know they look good in a uniform they've got a boyfriend they just seem to be on top of everything because that won't necessarily continue into the rest of their lives Yay. Yeah. <laughs> there was nothing funny about that. No, no. Just, uh, it's also like legit creepy if they're wearing a school uniform for the rest of their well, Yeah, don't do, <laughs> so. don't do that. Don't do that. Unless, of course, you're a stripper. <laughs> or yeah. crankies, yeah. <laughs> stripper and crankies, everything else not allowed. <laughs> what about you, Kiri? What would you say to younger Kiri? Um, I think I used to be very aggressive. <laughs> I mean, physically. And uh, I think I would just, I would probably say, just chill out. You don't have to fight everyone about everything. Because I had this weird thing that I, my, uh, when we had the farm, my mum would go out and she'd work night shifts to pay for me to go to a private school because the schools close weren't very good. So I was in this like very cocooned private school and then I went into the big state school, which was my choice. I nearly went to another private school. And then just that was such a huge culture shock. And I went from being like Billy Big Balls to who gives a shit. <laughs> and I didn't, the transition wasn't easy for me. And then I just felt like I always had to be on the defensive for a few years that I would always take. Also, my dad, terrible advice, uh, was like, like, like when I was like, Dad, I think I might be being bullied. And he's like, just hit the biggest one, <laughs> was his advice. <laughs> and in fact, he, he told me one of the, his advice he gave me is like, uh, he was like, right. Um, what you want to do is uh, <laughs> you don't punch someone, you don't slap someone. What you want to do is you want to backhand them because it stings like a slap, it aches like a punch and it doesn't leave a mark. <laughs> and it's like, this was like on my way to a year eight disco as he bundled me out the door. <laughs> so I was like the Welsh Muhammad Ali. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, that's not some horrible omen, is it, for this year? God. Um, yeah, so that was, I was, I was sort of taught that almost to go, go, go out fighting and probably now I should have mellowed the fuck out because um, I, I think yeah I was a bit too pugnacious and, and now I think I, I, uh, I was probably an aggressor <laughs> I didn't see at the time I thought everyone was having a go at me but I should have just chilled out and been a bit more it's hard to say to a 12 year old just relax be more secure in yourself <laughs> I know you don't know what that is <laughs> and you're still wearing a crop top but just relax <laughs> um, but yeah I think I would have been like you don't need to fight everyone it's exhausting you've got better stuff to do I think cool. Mickey um, I'd probably just tell her it's, it's all going to be okay oh because yeah I struggled I got bullied and I was like the little fat kid at school and now I'm better looking than them so fuck them <laughs> <laughs> thank god for Facebook what would we do without Facebook yeah. how would we ever know what they look like now <laughs> they've got <laughs> you are three very funny women so I would like to know what makes you what never fails to make you piss yourself laughing <laughs> Let's start with Katie this time. Dog on a skateboard. Fucking brilliant. <laughs> Love it. Is it. Is it 
it, does it have to be doing the leg as well? No. Just, just it, can be, it can be along. gliding, it can be falling off, it can be giving it its best shot, not quite managing. <laughs> I don't mind. I just like the whole the whole sort of scenario of the dog on the skateboard. Dog on any kind of sporting equipment. Dog on a trampoline. I'm just being honest here. Treadmill. Treadmill, I love. I love a dog on a treadmill. That's great. Uh, yeah, just, yeah, dogs doing incongruous things. Sorry, it's not very sophisticated. <laughs> but, you know, that, have I opened the book a bit too much? <laughs> and Stuart Lee. <laughs> that balance is out. Yeah. <laughs> Kerry, don't you have a weird thing about dogs? Uh, <laughs> no, not like that. It's not going to get really weird. I, I love a dog in a wheelchair. <laughs> Like, I know it sounds awful, right? But if you ever watch what? YouTube... What, have you not seen no, them? I've not looked. It's the single most uplifting thing you will ever see is dogs where they've had things amputated. And then, yeah, yeah, you think so, like, no. Um, but then they get, make them little wheelchairs and dogs are like, well, I'll just crack on regardless. Do you mean when like, they bolt the wheels onto yeah, the Yeah, and they're just the like, hips, yeah. oh, I thought you meant just so a dog sitting yeah. in somebody's wheelchair. <laughs> no, I don't mean like a dog that's usurped and gone, that's his seat, actually. So he's got his blanket on, he's confused. <laughs> I thought you were like dogs doing cosplayers. No, no. I mean actual little dogs with little wheels. And that makes you. That just, oh, it doesn't make you laugh. That's not the thing that makes no, you no, laugh. I oh, just, no, I just. That's no, really awful. Like, ah, isn't it awful when beautiful things are less fortunate than you? No, it's not. Not that arrogant. Um, no, I just. I've got a big soft spot for a dog in a wheelchair. Big soft spot. But what makes you laugh? Dogs in uh, wheelchairs when there's steps. No. Uh, <laughs> this again I feel like this is a lame thing but like my friends and uh, predominantly my girlfriends make me laugh so much so so much like really just hoot uh, got uh, Deb's my friend the one whose mum said she was not a favourite um she always says the thing where he's like, oh, that you'd like him because he's on our wavelength or you'd like her because... And it's a wavelength thing. You know when you find someone and you, you could have just met them and, and uh, the rest of them are your, all your long friends and they just get it. And you, oh yeah, I love that. I love being chewed into some, someone's sense of humour really quickly. So friend, friends for me is that... Because I don't like... I mean, when you when you work in comedy, like watching it on telly doesn't usually really do it for me, but it has to be that, that social thing of being with friends, I think. so. That's not lame at all. That's awesome. I feel like yeah. I'm just playing the most like fucking Hallmark card answers to things. Like I would have to say my friends, but mainly female friendship. <laughs> oh, fuck off, mate. <laughs> Sarah? Um, I think my female friends as well, but since she's still lame. Like, yeah, just copying. Um, and also, like my husband and I have it's such ridiculous and it's it, sometimes we laugh so hard that we weigh ourselves and <laughs> I don't think anybody else would find it funny you know when something just tickles both of you and sometimes it's when we're really tired and that's when we know that ridiculous like, that, that's how we know we're tired because we're laughing at something completely fucking stupid <laughs> and that's when I go are you tired and he goes yes and that's how we know but um but yeah I might I think he makes me laugh every day and I think maybe if I saw my female friends every day, they would do the same, but I'm not that lucky. To, I, wish, I wish I did see my uh, friends every day. But, um, but yeah, I'd have to say my husband, and I think I would hope that I make him laugh the same. Let's put that on the podcast and see what he says when he listens. To <laughs> I'm not needy, shut the fuck up. <laughs> Mickey? Um, I like really silly things, sort of slapstick stuff, and also an inventive profanity. Like, if you get, like, 
a sort of half swear word and an animal like shit weasel. Fucking yeah, brilliant. that's good. Uh, that's good. Yeah. Fanny badger. Flange, yeah. flange pants. Is that a good thing, a fanny badger? It doesn't matter. Whatever you want. Oh, okay. I'd, yeah. I'd go out with him. <laughs> <laughs> I'd never go on a fanny badger. I, I don't think Sarah's going to be at the wedding. <laughs> <laughs> I've been out with him. <laughs> <laughs> um, if anyone's disgusted, I share your feelings. <laughs> oh, I'll tell let... it to the prisoners. <laughs> Um, and on the flip side, what never fails to make you really angry? I'm going to start with Kiri. Ooh, how long have we got? Um, Is it able-bodied dogs? Look <laughs> <laughs> uh, him with all his working limbs. <laughs> also a big fan of, of dog, uh, animals with jobs, but anyway, that's another thing. Oh, especially if he's got a uniform. Anyway, um, like dogs that work in Nando. <laughs> <laughs> That's very cruel, Katie. Uh, <laughs> um, what makes me angry? Um, I don't. I've got this huge thing I have had since I was a young person. Again, one of the things that I, I uh, would probably get aggressive about is because I'm quite a confident loudmouth. Uh, people, therefore, assume, you know that empty vessels make no most noise. I think people. Uh, frequently assume or assumed that I was stupid and that boils my piss <laughs> it really makes me cross if people think that I'm stupid or to be sort of talked down to or patronised um, but the, to the point that I go the other way and I have, I'm sort of paranoid about looking stupid and it was you who said something to me I think we were chatting about something someone was chatting and you went oh what does that word mean and I, I have never heard anyone do that before because I would always be like mentally remember that word and then go away and look it up and say that you need a wee and then come back and use it again so they know you understand and I just like with the confidence of someone to just go oh, I don't know what that means and then and then know it and then just be like that felt like the bravest thing to me because it was like I would be so scared that if I didn't know that word everyone would think that I was stupid and uh, and you don't mind people no that's not what this is about <laughs> Uh, no, but I was like, gosh, the like, I wouldn't, would never let myself be. I would, I would perceive that as being vulnerable. And when, as soon as you did it, I was like, that's the least vulnerable thing I've seen someone do. But that's go, why I quite like being vulnerable. I don't think there's anything wrong with being. But I, I, I like to ask the question firstly because I want to find out what the word means. Secondly, because I'm not bothered if people think that I'm stupid because I know that I'm not. And thirdly, because often they don't know what it means either. <laughs> <laughs> and you catch them on the hop and it's very entertaining from this side yes I think that I think that's people yeah assuming that I'm not I'm not bright really makes me but it's, it's probably like a, probably as I get more secure that'll that'll drift away but at the moment anything that what like that where people assume I'm thick is a, is a big problem for me it makes me spiky you've all been warned <laughs> Katie uh, I don't like it when people get off the train and then just stop walking <laughs> 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 makes me so furious I can't 
just look at the move and then look at the map. Uh, that and um, I don't. I really hate it when people. Uh, I don't like it when people act like they can do something and then uh, later on uh, you discover they can't do it uh, and they act, sort of act like they were never going to do that in the first place. Uh, on a serious note, that makes me absolutely livid. I sort of need an example. I what feel like mean? something's happened today, don't you? <laughs> the fact that she said that. This happens to me every day. <laughs> uh, no, just, you know, when people kind of act like they're going to sort something out for you or they're kind of a bit cocky and flashy with it. Even, you know, it, it's sort of it's minor things like waiters that don't write things down uh, <gasps> and then get... Oh, don't and get the order wrong. food. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, okay. I know, just write it down. Just be humble enough to write it down. <laughs> and then get the order right. There's no shame. Some of the best waiters in the best restaurants in the world write the order down. Because they're the best waiters. Yeah. That's, I, don't, I don't like when there's too much personality, not enough, not enough accuracy in a waiter. Yes. When there's too much chatty, chatty, chat, chat, and then they bring the wrong fucking dinner, and I'm not happy. Because yeah. you're going to have to make the right one. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm with you on that. No, I'm I don't like that. Uh, and then sort of all the way up to sort of even professional things. You know, in this business, it's always very precarious and you know things sound great and people offer you things and the weirdest thing about this business is that people phone you up unsolicited they phone up your agent and they say we've got this amazing job um if we were to ask katie to do the job would she say yes <laughs> and then your agent phones you and goes this is an amazing job you know it's it's going to be a lovely job it's just the sort of thing you want to do it's not going to take up too much of your time it's going to be a lot of money i think you're going to really enjoy it they want to know if they ask you to do the job will you do the job so you go yeah yeah I'd love to do the job tell them I'd love to do it and then your agent goes back and says Katie would love to do the job and they go oh great thanks and then you never hear from them again (laughs) it's like kind of being offered jobs that you haven't applied for and then being told you can't have them (laughs) it's just sort of weird there's a lot of broken promises in this business there's a lot of great stuff as well but there's things and just sort of I guess in the business in everything people not sticking to their word just drives me nuts because I don't like to say I'm going to do something and then not do it isn't that called I think that's called an expression of interest isn't it where so so if you say I quite like the sound of that Mm. and then they come back and then they've got a list of all the people that they that that are interested in doing it and then then they they pick the people that suit them then they can pick the ones that suit them exactly but you could say I'm expressing an interest in you sticking to your fucking word (laughs) (laughs) do do that (laughs) <laughs> yeah. uh, no, it can just be a, bit, a little bit, uh, a little bit frustrating. But I think it's, it's across the board. I think it happens in all businesses, really. I just, I just like it when people don't say they're going to do something if they can't fulfil it. I think that's fair enough. Thanks. Mm. You're welcome, Sarah um, Millican. What makes you angry? Not very many things. Probably more things should make me angry. I sort of agree with most of the things these guys have said, and I realise that I'm more angry than I thought I was. <laughs> um, I think. My husband is, the only thing he gets angry at is uh, when uh, Diversion signs Peter out. No! Oh. <laughs> oh! And then I didn't drive when he told me that. And then I've been driving sort of seven, eight years now, and I realised that's one of the things that makes me angry as well. When it says, follow the diamond, and I follow the diamond, and then the diamond fucking disappears. <laughs> and then I'm lost, and I don't know where to go, and there are no diamonds. Um, I... Also, on a, a quite a boring, serious note, um, I get really annoyed, as I said before in the introduction, at uh, women's magazines. I've never before got so annoyed at something that I invented a thing. <laughs> <laughs> this is how fucking annoyed I am at how women are portrayed and how women are appeal to in in these magazines to say you're not doing this right you're not doing that right you should be doing this if you want to be happy this is how you do it and it's all such utter rubbish 
that that boils my piss. So if I really ever wanted to get furious, I just buy a couple of women's magazines. Mm-hmm. Every time I shouldn't say this, but every time I get my hair cut and coloured, it's not natural colour. Look at the roots and. <laughs> I will take a photograph of myself in the mirror because they give us, obviously, would you like Vogue and all of these things? You know, it's just basically a catalogue, isn't it? It's just adverts. And they put them down in front of me and I ignore them. And I do genuinely go on my phone and read standard issue, but I always send a picture of myself flicking the V's at the magazine and I send it to Mickey every single time. We are doing something better. So yeah, I think that's it's not a funny answer, but it's the thing that makes me the most furious. I, I hate on the covers of those magazines when they always have things like four hundred and ninety-three ways to wear a belt. And it's like, <laughs> would it have killed you to think of seven more? <laughs> the belt was to hang yourself yeah. <laughs> or just maybe 91 of those weren't that good yeah <laughs> maybe 492 of them weren't that good <laughs> just need one way to wear a belt that's round your waist and <laughs> um, what are you enjoying most about getting older I'm going to start with Kiri how old are you first of all I'm 29 alright <laughs> is it past your bedtime <laughs> Does your mum know you're here? <laughs> yes, and she's got my Spice Girls leggings in the car. Um, we, I, I still feel very... I have a weird conversation. My friends who are the same age, they're like, oh, getting so old. I'm like, well, really not. Not at all. Um, so what do I like about most about getting older? I, I still feel like, I, I still feel like, a, like I'm 18, and my mum said that doesn't change. She said she still expects to see like an 18-year-old version of her looking back um, in the mirror. Um, you know, there's a way you can do that. You can just put an old picture of yourself over the <laughs> yeah. mirror. Well, she was like, she's got the worst eyesight as well. She's like, and now I see an old woman staring back. I was like, you sure you aren't just looking at a £10 note or something? <laughs> <laughs> she's tiny and wearing a crown. <laughs> I don't remember putting my crown on today. Um, what do I like about getting older? Um... Yeah, I guess it's, uh, I guess it's uh, again, this feels quite ethereal, but it's just sort of like, you know what, doing stand-up I find get easier getting okay. as I get older because, uh, well, it'll be a, a cumulative thing of me hopefully getting better at stand-up, but also because I, I guess I'm fairly high status on stage and that is not what Northern Comedy Clubs want from a 23-year-old woman. <laughs> um, so me being 29 now, it's a little bit easier to say, I think, to assert what I think about the world than it was as me being like, guys, I'm just out of uni and I've got it all figured out they're like do fuck off um, which is exactly what I would think if I saw someone doing it now so I think stand up is getting easier for me and yeah just um, I guess it's feeling like I that's a whole thing about like occupying my, my space in the world and feeling like yeah I deserve to be places that I am as you know if I've, if I've worked to get there just not, not feeling like I have to apologise for being places yeah, which is something I would have done a few years ago so Please stop hating me for being 29. I can feel the tension where you're like, oh, fuck off. I think she's overtired. (laughs) (laughs) She can have a sleep in the car. (laughs) Katie, what about you? Uh, I'm 37. Um... (laughs) All right, I'll open with that tomorrow. Uh, I... um... (laughs) I, uh, 
I like getting older. Uh, I've always felt older than I am. Uh, it goes a bit back to what we were saying earlier about people when they have their peak ages. Uh, I've always felt for a long, long time that my peak age will be 45. Uh, I think I'm going to be a badass motherfucker when I'm 45. Uh, and so I feel like I'm sort of on my way there. So well, I'm why, sort of why 45? I'm I don't know. I've just always had this sense that around mid-40s is when I'm going to really come into my own. <laughs> I don't know why. Uh, and then it'll be a slow decline from there. Um, but yeah, I, I like getting older. I really like getting older. I feel, I feel more myself as I get older, definitely. And I've always looked forward to getting older. I've never been one of those people that worries about getting older. I just, I quite like it. I feel, because I was weird. When I was 12, I acted like a 45-year-old. So the closer I get to 45, the more kind of normal I seem. <laughs> <laughs> We're quite often told that we're not allowed to get older, particularly women. It's, it's very much frowned upon. So it's nice when you're saying that you're enjoying getting that way. Have you ever felt pressure to kind of try and cheat time and cheat the ageing process? No. I don't think so. I think I think if you're if you look a certain way as a woman, uh, and and that certain way is the is the way that the world the Western world currently defines as a kind of commercial beauty, I think I genuinely sympathise with those women, especially women who have built careers around that, because mm-hmm. uh, I think it must be very frightening uh, to suddenly realise that that you're going to be devalued and perhaps you haven't built up other parts of yourself or your life or your career to compensate when that goes. Uh, and I always feel quite worried for those women, yeah, yeah. Um, whereas you know I uh, obviously we've established that I'm a creature unlike any other Um, but but, you know my modeling career didn't take off in quite the way I'd have planned Uh, so I sort of feel quite grateful that that was never part of my trajectory so it just sort of gets better as you get older really it doesn't that part of you doesn't feel like the decay of that part of you doesn't feel so catastrophic Sarah because you wrote for us about how awesome turning 40 was I love turning 40. I'm 41 now, and uh, that's how time goes. And I like year being, by year. <laughs> I like being older. I think I think I improve with age, like a good cheese. I don't know anything about cheese. I only like melted cheese. Um, so when I melt, I'll be really happy. Hello, I'm getting there now. To be fair, um, I think I I prefer to be older because I think I it's a, similar to what Katie said that I'm. A, I feel like I'm more myself than I've ever been. And I think that's only going to sort of improve and progress, I suppose. I think I am very comfortable in my own skin. And I think, uh, like, I'm sort of, like, my roots are in right now. And, like, ten years ago, I'd have been sort of mortified or I'd have done a zigzag parting or something. (laughs) That's what you do. Or a quiff. Or a a quiff. That's a good way of hiding it. But now I just thought just it's sort of I feel a bit like take me as I am and if you don't like how I am then I'm I'm not interested in talking to you I'm not I wasn't that looked like I was aiming it at that lady she's she's perfectly lovely I like your trousers very much um but I think I think I don't I sort of don't give a shit so I've got currently I have chip nails I have roots in it feels like I the main thing I like about getting older is just letting myself go (laughs) And you know what? I think that might be true. I think as long as I'm happy, like all you can judge on is how, how if you're happy, you can't make everybody else happy and you can't sort of allow everybody else to impose their sort of belief systems a bit heavy handed, but how they think you should be. So I think that's largely, that's largely is that I, I love getting older. I think I'm more me than I've ever been. And I like me. So I guess that's it. Oh, Mickey. Um, similar 
really, in that it's nice to feel capable. I feel like I'm much more capable, and if there's something I want to do, I just go, fuck it, I'm going to give it a bash. And if it works out, smashing, and if it doesn't, next. And it's having that confidence that it's really hard won and taken ages. That, that failure is not a bad thing, that failure is learning. Yeah. Yeah. That okay. went heavy, well, didn't it? Sorry, everybody. <laughs> Let's all think about dogs in wheelchairs again. <laughs> or a fanny badger. Fanny badger. Fanny badger. <laughs> that's, that's a gift. You're all welcome to that. <laughs> I'm going to end with one more question, because that's all we've got time for. Um, do you have a party trick? A special talent or party trick? I'm going to start with Kiri, because she looks embarrassed. <laughs> <laughs> Curious. And then... I've got a pine glass, but I can hold things aloft with my breasts. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not proud. <laughs> you know that thing about how the, the the rubbish about how if you hold things under your boobs, that's supposed to be a bad thing because they're supposed to be purred. I always, when I read that, I remember thinking, I can hold loads of things under my boobs, <laughs> especially if they're sticky like they are now. <laughs> but I didn't realise that was a bad thing. So I've always thought of it as a good trait, and I, I can hold a lot of things under. What hole you got under there now? A hole punch. That's that's great. No, I just because it used to be a pencil, didn't it? So I'm just imagining like if you could hold the contents of a pencil case. Is that what you said? You wouldn't, tractor. Yeah, you wouldn't need to carry one around. <laughs> that is true, and I do have a pencil case. I'm now going to get rid of the pencil case and just be able to. Is that why you really love paper chase? <laughs> yeah, because I can get yeah moleskin notebooks, anything under there, even the baskets in the shop. I can get that under there. <laughs> My name's Sarah. People call me Ryman's. <laughs> <laughs> Would you like a sticky pencil? <laughs> sounds like a yeah. Sounds like a sounds like a game they play at public school. <laughs> Katie, do you have a party trick? I don't. I really don't. And I was trying to think of one because I know it was one of the questions you were going to ask. And I was trying to think of one on the way here, and I can't come up with anything. I don't really have a party trick, except that I suddenly had this really mean thought that I think it's maybe making people think I like them when I don't. <laughs> That's an amazing party trick. Is that just for parties, or is that, or is that for everywhere? <laughs> no, 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 no. I, uh, I, I just. I was once told, uh, because it's weird, sometimes if you, if you do performing, people assume you're very cocky and out there and extrovert all the time. And if, if like me, you're, you're actually quite an introverted personality. I know that sounds strange, but I am. Um, you, find, you can find parties quite stressful. So someone once gave me uh, a tip where they said, if you are worried about going to a party or you don't really feel like going, just ask people questions all the time. Just relentlessly ask them the questions. Uh, and you'll, you'll never be in a position where kind of the conversation dries up and they'll think you're really nice. Uh, <laughs> And they'll have really good memories of talking to you and they'll think you're great. And they won't know anything about you, but they'll think you were a really nice person. And uh, I actually started doing that you know, when times where I felt nervous at parties or I didn't really want to be there. And I found it really worked. And actually, ironically, I ended up having nicer times. Oh. Yeah. And when you say questions, you mean questions about them or just like sort of trivia? Trivia questions, yeah. <laughs> General I now go uh, with a packet of Trivial Pursuit questions in my back pocket <laughs> and I just whip them out and I'm like, pink, green, brown, yellow or blue. Uh, and off we go that's it for an hour and a half uh, no questions <laughs> questions about them uh, and actually it can lead to quite a, a very interesting and unusual and unexpected conversation that sort of takes the glare off you a bit it's uh, a great tip yeah it's but, but more importantly how do you get people to think is that how you get people to like 
to think that you like them yeah. just by asking them questions yeah. and listening and not like kind of being sort of looking angry or upset at the answers do you know just acting like they're really interesting and nice and funny and then finding a polite reason to go away this... I just sort of found that I just I, I'm, I'm quite a fan of good manners I think that's why I like mm. Americans and I I think it's good manners at a party not Donald Trump I don't mean I don't mean like all the Americans but I just mean I like that about that the kind of easy grace people seem to have socially I find that very attractive and I think it kind of positive leads to positive and it can be quite nice so I think if you ask people lots of questions at a party and you're sort of friendly and open about the answers uh, you can go off and have your own private judgmental thoughts about them afterwards <laughs> uh, and they'll think you really like them the problem is if you see them at another party and they'll come over and go well hi god we should really get together for a coffee <laughs> it's like no <laughs> no that's when you're saying no can do yeah. this is um... because I don't want to <laughs> don't want to Sarah, it sounds is... awful <laughs> this is really resonating with me the last two parties I'm like oh that guy who asked me loads of questions and then made an excuse about why I had to leave like everything you've said I was like I've been played by an oh, introvert you can have a sleep in the car <laughs> Sarah what's your party trip oh mine is uh quite well documented I think I can do a horn noise that's it that's it uh, and I have to do the hand <laughs> that <laughs> don't clap oh, you don't need to clap <laughs> bigger on the left hand side um, that's literally all I have and the reason I have that is uh, a friend of mine bought me a, like an old fashioned bag horn from like a, like a joke shop and it just that made that noise and, um, and every time like my, anybody around me sort of said something funny and I didn't have anything funny to say back or I was tired or couldn't be asked, I just do the, the horn noise at them and then that would be my version of a joke and then I thought well I can't carry it round can I I mean I could probably get it under a boob to be fair <laughs> now that Katie suggested that um, so I just learned how to do the sound so that I had it wherever I was like that my fa- one of my favourite things is when people tell me that they can do it too and they go I can do that and I go great and they go hoo hoo and you're like that is I don't know if you've got ears but that's not the same it's my favourite thing to do and if I could honestly do an hour of that on my in my show that's all I do the audience would have a brilliant time for about two, three minutes and then they'd be like, do you think this is all she's going to do? And then they'd leave. But they'd ask me loads of questions first. Uh, <laughs> Mickey, what's, have you got a... Oh, really got a... Have you got a... Um, I didn't think I had one, um, but then I remembered that I know all of the lyrics to House of Pain's Jump Around. Wow. Can you do a bit of it for us? Pack it up, pack it in, let me begin. I came to win, battle me, that's a sin. I won't ever back up, punk, you better pack up, try and play around, you're the whole cool act up. Get up, stand up, come and throw your hands up. If you get a feeling, just touch the ceiling, mugs where the phone flows, someone's talking joke, you will bust them in the eye, and then I'll kick the punk so not on. <laughs> See if anybody has anything. Kerry, when is your show? Just so we can mention oh. to these lovely people. Uh, my show is six o'clock at Pleasance. This. Katie. My show is at four forty-five. Pleasance upstairs. It's called I Was a Teenage Christian. And uh, we are doing another. Well, we're doing a gig. It's Sunday, but it's sold out tomorrow night. Is anybody coming to that? Yay! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the <you>. Mouse Family. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but please, uh, the people who who never heard of Standard Issue, do you think you'll have a look? 
Yay! Oh, well, bless you for that. It's online, it's free, please have a look. It's for you, and it's, uh, you know, a, a happy alternative to the bullshit that's out there. Um, thank you so much for coming. You've been such an amazing audience. Please thank our panellists, uh, Mickey Noon and Perry Bridgerton and Katie Brand. enjoyed Standard Issue magazine In Conversation at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival 2016. Just a quick reminder to please rate, review and subscribe to all our podcasts on iTunes, including previous In Conversations and fortnightly Geek Girl Celebration Strong Female Leads. Standard Issue is a smart and witty online magazine for all women and is available at standardissuemagazine.com. You can keep up with all the articles, news and reviews by following at Standard Issue UK on Twitter. This has been a production of Standard Issue magazine. Your announcer was Deborah Jane Appleby and our In Conversation theme music was composed and recorded by Michelle Imbierski. All rights are reserved. Mm-hmm.